Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. So this is Easter. This is the day of life. We've been on a journey together from ashes, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's where we began on Ash Wednesday. Repentance, sorrow, suffering, loss, to God, to hope, to Easter, to resurrection, to the triumph of life over death. And I couldn't stop, maybe because of what's been going on in my own life for the last year or so, couldn't stop at death, couldn't stop at the cross, couldn't stop at the tomb, had to go on. So this is just a little bonus piece just for today to take us all the way uh, from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. And all of this is shaped around what our master, our leader, Jesus himself said when he knew that the time was coming for him to die. He said, now the hour has come for the Son of Man. And then he didn't say to die. He didn't even say to be crucified. He said, for the Son of Man to be glorified. What a strange kind of glory to go to a cross and die the death of a humiliated, failed Messiah slave. But he said, there's a power, there's a beauty at work in this beyond human thoughts of strength and attractiveness. He says, it's like this, that uh, if a, a grain of wheat doesn't die, doesn't go into the ground and be buried, then it remains alone, just a single seed. But if it's willing to do that, if it's willing to give up its little life, if it's willing to go into what looks like death, die to itself, then it will burst forth in life and bear many seeds and bear much, much fruit. And he says, it's this way spiritually. It's this way for you and me. It's it's like we're in a spiritual garden. And if you're willing to let go of your life, let go of your ego, let go of yourself, let go of your pride, let go of your attachment, your sin and junk and brokenness and and acknowledge it to God, acknowledge the powerlessness to God and surrender your life to God and get real and honest with other people and come into the fellowship of the withered hand and join into the community where we celebrate the recognition and confession of personal inadequacy. Then there's life, then there's hope. But if not, you're going to die. One or the other. And then Jesus, our pioneer, our leader, he goes before us and he sacrifices his life. He he offers himself. He pays the ransom. He gives the debt. He overcomes all of our enemies. He defeats death itself on a cross. He, he says it's finished at the end of it. And they put him in a tomb. And they think that he's going to stay there. But they're wrong. But they're wrong. But they're wrong because they think he's buried. He's not buried. He's only planted. It's a big difference. This is the Easter message now. Big difference between being buried and being planted. And if you think you're buried today, I want to give you hope. You don't have to be buried. Now, externally, the circumstances look just the same between burial and planting. The situation appears identical. That's not where the difference lies. You dig a hole in the cold earth and you throw an object in there and you cover it over with dirt. 
and you leave it alone in the darkness. That's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. And if I was a little seed, I wouldn't like that. I would cry out, but God, this is not what I wanted. I didn't want to be buried. I had plans. I had dreams. I thought my family would look this way. I thought my work would look this way. I thought my life would look this way. I thought my friendships, my relationships, my, I, th- I, 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 I didn't, I didn't ask for this. This looks like death. The difference, see, between being buried and planted doesn't lie in your circumstances. It lies deep within the seed. The difference is hope. The difference is life. And life is so powerful that every seed carries with it this little embryonic form of life. There is inside every little seed a shoot and a root. And it goes down in the dirt, but when it's in the dirt, when it has died to itself, something inside that dirt, something from far up above the ground, cries out to the seed and it sends out that little root and and that hard shell is broken and the seed begins to expand and nutrients come in and then a little shoot goes up and it is so powerful. You can have that seed covered over with cement, but even in the cement, there are unseen microscopic cracks and the root has such sensitive antenna that it's able to discover where those are. And the force of life inside the seed is so powerful, it will break open cement because it can't wait to get to the light. And once the light is taken in, the life cannot be stopped. Into the darkness of the world came the light, and in him was the life of human beings. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus dies, and they bury him. John is teaching us all about this, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground. All through the Gospel of John, and and so in the story of Jesus' death, we're told that uh, two men uh, request permission and decide to bury him. Very interesting. One of them is a very wealthy man, Joseph of Arimathea. And the text says that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, but secretly, but secretly. Why? Because he was afraid of the leaders, the religious leaders. That's not much of a disciple. And he's accompanied by Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man who had earlier visited Jesus because he wanted to be a disciple. He wanted to learn from Jesus. He wanted to grow spiritually, but he came to Jesus at night because he was afraid. Seriously, really. These two guys, these like wannabe, half-hearted, half-disciples, uh-huh, uh-huh, it's the fellowship of the withered hand. It's the community of the celebration of personal inadequacy. These are the two that will bury him. And we're told that the place where Jesus was crucified was in a garden. In the garden was a new tomb. A garden, of course, is a place where a seed goes, not to be buried, but to be planted. And then, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, one person goes to the tomb. Mary, Mary Magdalene. Not any of the 12 disciples, they don't even bury Jesus. Not any of the men, you would expect men to have courage and commitment, but they don't. Mary Magdalene, who we're told in two other places in the New Testament, was somebody who was possessed not just of one demon or two, but possessed of seven demons. And whatever you think of, however you understand that kind of darkness, that kind of demonic presence, that kind of evil, which is a very real thing in our world, 
It haunted her. It gripped her. It possessed her. And anybody who knew her in that day, if you would have said, this demon-possessed woman is going to be the first witness to the resurrection, are you kidding me? But see, this is the fellowship of the withered hand. This is the community of the celebration of personal inadequacy. And Mary is the first one who goes to the tomb and she sees the stone has been removed from the entrance. So she goes running to Simon Peter and Simon and John, the disciples go running to the tomb and they get the first uh, after Mary whiff of what's going on. And so they run back, but Mary can't leave the tomb. She stays there and she's weeping and she looks over into the tomb and there's two angels in white and they're standing where Jesus' body had been. And they ask her, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they have taken my Lord away. And I, I don't know where they have put him. And she doesn't really believe, even though Jesus has taught or tried to teach his disciples that he's got to die and he's going to be resurrected. It's not really a burial, it's a planning. She doesn't get it, but she still calls him my Lord. Even not knowing there's going to be a resurrection, even not knowing there's ever going to be another good day. She would rather be close to him than any place else on earth. And she, what she doesn't know is that this tomb in the garden, which is the saddest place in the world, is about to become the most hope-filled place in the world. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Maybe because her eyes are filled with tears. Maybe because it's still pretty dark in the garden. Maybe because there's something about resurrection that changes the way that somebody looks. And this man asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. Thinking he was the gardener. The Bible starts in a garden. God creates a human being in his own image and sets him in the garden, the Garden of Eden, to care for it, to bring it from ashes to beauty, to bring life out of it, the first Man, the first Adam is a gardener, but in the garden all is lost. And sin and withering and inadequacy and brokenness become the story of the human race. But what the first Adam loses in the garden, the second Adam recovers in the garden, thinking he was a gardener. Are you kidding me? Thinking he was a gardener. Mary said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell him, Tell me where you have put him and I will get him. <laughs> I will get him. This little woman's going to get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Dale Bruner says that's the shortest sermon in all the Bible. Jesus said to her, Mary. And Mary turned to him and cried out, Teacher. Just that. And, and that sound that you hear is human history changing channels. That sound that you hear is all of humanity going from BC, before Christ, now to AD, after death, Anno Domino, the year of our Lord. And she's the first one. This woman who had been possessed by seven demons. And, and she is there in hope, in life, 
that little shoot has worked its way through the crack in the cement of brokenness and lostness and death and hope. And, 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 and then he says, now, Mary, you can't keep on holding on to me. Now you have a mission. Now I want you to go. And the, now this is the 12th step. Now we have a mission. Having experienced a spiritual awakening. See, the Bible's word for a spiritual awakening is resurrection. Having experienced a resurrection. Now we go. We carry these principles, this life within us from one day to the next, and we take the good news to other people. So here's what I want to tell you. He is risen, and therefore you are not buried. Whatever has gone on in your life, you are only planted, you and me together. So I just wrote down some names, people. I just want to tell you this. Alan, who I got to be with on Good Friday, my friend, as you have watched Joyce with all of the lost, those memories in that one that you love are not buried. They are only planted. Jenny and Kent, Mary, those grandchildren that you love who were taken from you so cruelly, they are not buried. They are only planted. Rick and Sherry, gay as you love and mourn for Pete, Eddie and Jimmy, Rico and Israel, Bart, Barbie, Mom, Nancy, Rankin, Richard and Joni, Greg and Corinne, Dean and Di, Bill V, Steve, Cliff, that child that you love. Whatever it is that you are going through, sickness, fear, addiction, failure, disappointment, the loss of somebody that you love, we are on this journey together. And it does not end at the tomb. You are not buried. You are planted. I don't know what the future holds yet. I, I will uh, keep you in touch uh, uh, about that one in the days and the weeks and the months to come. But my message today is we start with ashes, but we're on the road to journey. We start at the cross, but we end up in an empty tomb. We begin in one garden, but we end up in a much better garden. You are not buried. You are only planted. Amen.